Welcome to CVM Stories, the podcast on customer value management. Together, we explore how companies can be more successful and the customers happier through the use of latest customer value management techniques. Learn key commercial and analytical insights from telecoms, retail, finance, and other industries that drive CVM forward. CVM Stories is produced by Exacaster. We help companies take their customer value management to the next level. To stay updated on our latest episodes, subscribe to the podcast or sign up for an email newsletter at exacaster.com slash CVM Stories. Are we ready? Yes, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, so Shurunas, uh, why are we doing this? Why are we actually filming the, the, the podcast? What would be your perspective here? Yeah, so... Uh, we, we are in an interesting position as uh, Exacaster and as uh, Sharunas and Egidius because we work with uh, roughly 30 telecom uh, companies across the world. And uh, in each of the cases, we are seeing something different about customer value management. And uh, this really puts us in a special uh, position because as a customer value manager working inside a telecom, uh, you can't really experience the whole diversity of what is out there in the world. And then we are sort of uh, insider outsider, you know, with this external perspective, talking to many different people, we see a very unique uh, point of view. And uh, we wanted to share this point of view because we think it's uh, very useful. Uh, I totally feel you, you know, it's like, uh, when we are talking with all those uh, smart professionals around the world, you can see, like, okay, I'm talking with somebody from United States, and they see how this person actually solved all the challenges that we have here uh, in Europe or somewhere in Asia, you know, and it's like, uh, and it's like why do you guys don't talk, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the the know-how, like, travels for us, and it's like, uh, wow, it's so interesting to, to, to have those conversations. Yeah, 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 I think it's a really well-put uh, example, because if you are able to put all of them in the same room, they would pretty quickly solve uh, the challenges that uh, each of them has. And I think everyone has their challenges, they're unique, yeah. but uh, the solution is somewhere out there in the world. And I think that's, that's the main aim of uh, this podcast, to make it a bit easier to share uh, this information. And to, to basically start collaborating more. Yeah. Well, Shunas, why do you think uh, the customer value management specialists, they uh, actually don't communicate like mm -hmm. this uh, e easily? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, customer value management as an area is very uh, strange. Uh, it is a lot about pricing, mm -hmm. about margins. It is mm -hmm. a lot about which segments do you have in your customer base? Who do you focus on? What strategies do you apply? It is basically top secret. It's like okay. the core uh, commercial advantage of many uh, telecom operators. So you're like running a spy agency, but you're only two or three of you in the company who really understand the big picture. And uh, what that means is that you can't talk to the other spies, the other uh, guys in the same market, because they're your competitors. And uh, you can't talk to other industries because the challenges there are completely different. The only real uh, way for these people to talk and grow professionally is either through some personal networks 
or through uh, bigger groups like, you know, you have a larger telecom group operating in many markets, so they can share between themselves what works and what doesn't work. And that really accelerates the learning. But still, there is a specific bias of that group, uh, how they look at the world, what strategies they pursue, and they still don't, uh, still don't see the full picture that way. So that's one of the main reasons why this profession is very special and very different. At the same time, when you have such uh, isolation of know-how, you end up in a situation where the learning is mainly through your own mistakes. So yeah. you start from uh, not knowing much, and then uh, as you try more and more things, uh, you gr gradually build up the experience and start to understand uh, what works and what doesn't work. And that's, that's a pretty slow way to learn. Imagine if we had like no universities. Yeah. Everyone had to <laughs> rediscover the physics for themselves and then you know, build the first machinery and so on. We are very far because we stand on the shoulder of giants. It has been said many times. In this area, we are not very far because we have no other shoulders to stand on. We are actually starting from scratch uh, in many cases. When you put like this from this perspective, it's like it seems like uh, this area is super lonely. I, I, I mm -hmm. actually haven't thought about that because you know, in any country you have three, four, five, maybe up to seven. 10 maybe telcos, mm -hmm. and that's it. And they are uh, very close to the know-how. And uh, you as a customer value management, uh, manager, you actually feel very lonely here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is exactly what we hear when uh, we, we talk to them uh, in our day-to-day -day projects. Mm -hmm. We hear, hear that I don't have uh, whom to talk to. My manager <laughs> does not understand me. The company does not appreciate what we do. Also, what we hear is it's very hard to find replacements. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to attract new people into the profession because it doesn't even exist on any professional uh, you know, list of professions. Customer yeah. value management, uh, it's very hard to place. Is this product management? Is this mm -hmm. marketing? Is this sales? Is this all of the above? Is this data science? <laughs> it's really uh, a, a kind of uh, in-between super important profession, but... Uh, Unfortunately, it's very lonely, as you yeah. said. Uh, and the funny part is like the loneliness is not only around kind of uh, uh, going ex to external companies, mm -hmm. it's lonely inside because it's like a super cross-functional role touches every point of organization, mm -hmm. but also they are kind of the ones who are actually linking all, all, all organization and nobody kind of understands them yeah, very well. Yeah, you, you don't need 20 customer value management yeah. uh, specialists in most cases. You need one or two mm -hmm. who are the key decision makers. And then there might be different, bigger supporting teams. But the, the ones who are really uh, in the thick of it is just a couple of, of people, you know. So it's very lonely inside as well. So what challenges do you see uh, for, for the organizations, yeah. for example, uh, with this situation? Actually, there, there are quite a lot of uh, impacts uh, and challenges from this. So, first of all is uh, what happens when the professional leaves the company? Okay, so the company all of a sudden just lost 50% of its know-how or even 100% of the know-how. And uh, we see this in real life where a company is extremely proficient one year and then the next year, they are trying to rebuild everything from scratch because they have forgotten everything. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. And they are uh, issuing RFPs for solving different challenges. And we see that these RFPs one year are extremely well written. And then the, ne the next year, they're extremely, uh, you know, beginner level. Mm -hmm. So there is this huge fluctuation in know-how. And as the appreciation of this uh, discipline is not very uh, deep in the top management circles, the company doesn't even understand that it lost this capability. So they kind of think they can execute as before, but really they can't. It's like you just fired the entire call center or the entire <laughs> IT department and everyone is new. So it's, it's that level of a challenge. And then this creates uh, mistakes and further challenges and so on and so forth. On top of that, you add the loneliness and now you really have learning by, uh, by trial and error. It's a very slow process. So overall, the discipline moves quite slowly uh, ahead. Yeah. I think from our perspective, we are actually on the other side. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So we, uh, we can uh, kind of, at this situation, we can observe how uh, telcos are actually uh, uh, dealing with those situations. Uh, have you seen any examples or uh, kind of... Uh, how we as uh, external vendor see that situation, mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, what happens there. Yeah, it actually requires us to adapt to the different levels of maturity of the mm -hmm. organization you're working with. With a mature organization, it's easy to run fast. The, okay. you, you can understand what everyone is doing. There is a specific piece of the puzzle that they need solved. We can join in, solve that piece of the puzzle. Everyone is happy, it's done. If you're working with an organization that has just lost its uh, understanding of this area, or maybe is just growing it from scratch, yeah. you are dealing with a much less mature organization. And in that case, we can't explain everything to them because it will take months. <laughs> and uh, for them to understand everything, it will take years. So they're just overloaded with information. The only strategy which we found works is actually doing small, agile projects accepting the imperfect outcomes because the client is still imposing his understanding. Mm -hmm. But we know it's not correct, but what can you do? So you basically leave uh, it for the client to learn from his mistakes, but you try to minimize them and kind mm -hmm. of put a pillow where they might land so that they can get up and then go to the next step. So you facilitate this organizational learning with the less mm -hmm. mature organizations. And that is completely, uh, let's say, unexpected uh, <laughs> impact of this, that even helping uh, organizations is actually very different and difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I, I also see from, let's say, from the RFP, uh, from the maturity of RFP, from the problems that actually are uh, coming uh, from telcos, you can make a pretty good judgment. It's like, how well is the, are the team structured? Are the fu functions co covered well? Are the team members in place necessary, etc. And in many situations, we see that this changes over the time, yeah. And we see uh, we can identify when like a new team is assembled, etc. Uh, in this case, ha have you seen good and bad examples? For example, how to start filling uh, the gaps uh, mm -hmm. or how to start improving uh, for 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 the companies? Yes, uh, I'm just trying to think of uh, most, uh, you know, like illustrative examples. But I think one very bad example is through uh, uh, thinking that the technology is uh, wrong and doing a technical project. Usually mm -hmm. the organization did not lose its systems. Yeah. The systems are still there. Actually, the organization lost its people. 
and you can't start rebuilding know-how by replacing the systems. The systems encode the know-how. Mm -hmm. So you have to start from rebuilding the team, which understands what are their imperfections and so on. Yes, technological progress is necessary, but you start from the people, and then you do the upgrade of the processes, and then you kind of end up with a technology transformation. So starting from technology is a bad, bad <laughs> idea if you lost people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think uh, uh, during some uh, uh, last examples, uh, we saw how, let's say, uh, uh, customer value ma uh, management team, they are maturing and going, let's say, from uh, uh, manual processes to mm -hmm. more uh, AI-driven processes. And then they went through all this learning process, like when the RFP, we, we took uh, kind of, I don't know, five, six, maybe even seven different kind of rounds of adopting to uh, organization needs and mm -hmm. helping them actually to kind of evolve their maturity of understanding. Mm -hmm. uh, what benefits uh, do you see in, in those type of processes mm -hmm. when, when you see that kind of you need to help to the companies to mature uh, to, towards mm -hmm. what they actually want? Yeah, I think customer value management has, uh, maybe there is some, you know, disclaimers and asterisks yeah. we can put here because it really depends on the size of the customer base you're working with. But quite often you can live with uh, manual processes mm -hmm. at the beginning. So when, when the organization is starting uh, to do something, it's actually a very good idea to run things manually mm -hmm. because then you understand what are the data sources, what are the approaches, the offers, the, anything else that we have. Test them. And then you see, okay, well, this is really boring work. Now we should automate this. And uh, we know this process works, we trust in it, and then we can roll it out on a technological level. So I see these uh, uh, good, good, good teams, good examples. They, they basically kind of follow this uh, path. Uh, and uh, it works. It's an agile way mm -hmm. through quick iterations, aiming for the business result, and not for the perfect platform for everything to run on and then uh, kind of forgetting to, to actually launch the, the core process. This applies in the case of smaller uh, customer bases. And by small, I probably mean something like up to 5 million in okay. terms of subscribers. I think this can be managed. Uh, the Excel kind of works up to some point. So you can uh, load all of the data. You can process this amount of data in, in data warehouses or elsewhere, prepare the data. It, it mostly works. The moment you go bigger, uh, then the technical challenges really start to bite. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's no longer doable by a couple of people uh, manually. You need large teams, and they do different pieces of the whole, and then things become really challenging. Okay. So for the bigger operators, uh, learning is really difficult. But there, I, I have seen companies starting to work with either small segments or small products and build up the know-how this way. So it's anyway, even in the largest customer base, possible to find a product with just a, a couple of million uh, uh, customers uh, using <laughs> it and then start to work with that product. Mm. So, uh, so we started the kind of conversation of uh, why we are uh, launching this podcast. So maybe it's a, a, a good time to actually uh, uh, wrap up uh, mm -hmm. uh, this part. So we, the, the key thing here is basically to start talking about 
these topics more. Uh, what, what other objectives would you uh, place here for, mm -hmm. for this podcast? I think the main objective is to put this uh, area on the map for, mm -hmm. for more people uh, and uh, educate the market that it is a very important uh, area. Uh, it's also quite different from other areas. It requires special approaches uh, from the top management perspective. How do mm -hmm. you build it? For the people who are coming into the profession, it also requires special approaches. So kind of generally moving the discipline forward and mm -hmm. uh, helping people who might want to consider this as a career understand how this works. Because we, we need new people all the time in all of the telecom companies everywhere. This is such, such an important part yeah. of, of their commercial success. So I think that's, uh, that's one of the main uh, goals of this podcast. Yeah. If I can add, it's, uh, it's also kind of uh, uh, our geeky part to actually talk about this because, you know, you're every day in this, you're solving the problems, communicating with people, but just kind of uh, building the platform to talk about, yes. share know-how, and uh, it's kind of, I think it's super important. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so maybe a few words about the format and yeah. the idea. So, so as you see, it is an industry where there is a little of codified knowledge. All of the knowledge is in the heads of the practitioners. So what we have decided is to invite different experts to share mm -hmm. their uh, stories. And it's going to be a storytelling format. And uh, today we will also share a few of our own stories, how we ended up in this area. But overall, uh, we would uh, encourage uh, the viewers to use this uh, platform to ask questions as well in the comments or contact us. And we will try to answer those questions and help you troubleshoot. Maybe you have a specific issue that you would like to solve. We will put that challenge to the next uh, guest and, uh, and then uh, you can use that uh, knowledge. Yeah, or if you have, let's say, uh, candidates for the guests that you would really want to get uh, a bit more know-how um, or ask uh, some specific questions for them, uh, yeah. we're happy to invite them and actually to have a nice conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Shrunas, um, uh, so we are talking about this customer value management area. Uh, you are in telco, I don't know how many years? 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> yeah, so, so how did you start? Uh, yeah. what, what are, the, are your roots here, you know? Yeah, so my, my start is actually from uh, like 20 years is a long time. So if you go back 20 years, uh, it's almost when the internet is just becoming important. And uh, so my, my roots come from the digital uh, experience and digi digi digitization projects. Uh, at that time, I was uh, uh, a project manager and we were implementing a big online community. And mm -hmm. we had a very, uh, very good arrangement uh, commercially as an outside vendor, uh, developing software and managing the community. And the client was uh, kind of guiding us on a business objective level and uh, leaving the rest of the details to us. So we were really like almost running the product for them as well. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, uh, you, you have this interesting situation where you can implement anything, but you don't know what is important. And uh, if you ask the client, they won't tell you anything. So it's your job, go and figure it out. 
So that was a moment where I really started to think, okay, well, we could do something, but maybe let's do something that is valuable to the users of this online community. And uh, the overall concept was very similar to what Reddit is today. And we were, for a number of years, uh, the leading community in a, in a local market. So we had this uh, very interesting starting point, very good arrangement, and now what is, show me your potential. So at that point, I basically uh, thought long and hard which features should we really develop. And somehow I stumbled on the idea of not doing interviews, not doing surveys and so on, but really looking at the web server logs. So okay. like from the server perspective, I know that the, every single page view is being logged yeah. and uh, we could potentially analyze it. Uh, how, how did the web logs look at that, mm. at that point of time? They look very <laughs> ugly, but uh, they look pretty much the same as all the logs uh, look today. So they have a date stamp, timestamp, and then they have a user ID, which is the cookie. So actually the user is persistent, and then they have uh, the page title and the URL. So you have to work a bit to uh, extract useful information from the logs, but uh, you can start doing some pretty interesting analysis on this. And some of these pages are like commercial payment uh, landing pages, others are like feature pages, and so on and so forth. So of course, you know, I look at the logs and yeah, like the number one page is the home page. Okay, nothing <laughs> interesting there, let's dig in deeper. and. Uh, the really powerful insights started to come when I began using cookies as the main uh, parameter of analysis. So not looking at popularity in general, but looking at which people use which features uh, most, sort of rudimentary segmentation by feature and uh, user group. And I very quickly found that there is a page in the portal which ha is unexplainably popular. Okay. This page was about me. It's like a page where you can uh, write a few words about uh, yourself as a user of the platform, like every forum has mm -hmm. this page. But in this page, we had a technical bug, uh, which turned out to be a feature. The, the length of the field was unlimited. It was a blob, technically speaking. Okay. So you could write there hundreds of pages of about you. And I saw that the, the most... Uh, frequent visitors to this page, I, uh, I opened those profiles and I saw what they were doing. They were not writing their name or, or, or last name, they were actually publishing a diary. So they were putting a date and they wrote what happened to them on that day. Next date and then the next day. And there was a huge group of people who were reading those diaries. So okay. all of a sudden I'm like guided by the user what feature we should build next because this was after a few top basic pages like the home page and the login and so on, the diary uh, was next. So we invested into that feature, we developed it, we launched it, and it was huge success instantly. Okay. And like, okay, now we know what to do. And the rest of the, of the project is, is, is kind of known in history. We became extremely famous, extremely popular, but that was the moment where we really uh, took what today is called data-driven decisions mm -hmm. and uh, applied them immediately, and the results uh, were uh, fantastic. So kind of okay. 
I would say this is for me the basics or the starting point of customer value management because mechanically it is the same. Even though we were applying this for developing features rather than uh, maybe adjusting pricing, we use this everywhere. Uh, content, pricing, yeah. all of the decisions start to be made in the same way. And uh, I think this today is still true, runs across uh, many, many fields. You could even say it's basic scientific principle of you know collecting data and yeah. making decisions based on that. But when you start to apply in business, uh, it really can be extremely powerful. So that was my kind of uh, point where I became interested in uh, this approach and thought, okay, well, this is a methodology that really works. So uh, we are talking like, I don't know, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah the, absolutely. Uh, uh, big data was not existing, uh, kind of analytical terms were not existing, tools were very much. I was using Notepad <laughs> to count cookies, you know, <laughs> basically yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So how did you kind of, where did you get the inspiration, you know, to, mm -hmm. to start uh, working from this direction, you know? Yeah, I think it's a, it was a lucky coincidence of several uh, factors. In the university, I had uh, market research and social research as a subject. Mm -hmm. So I knew the basics of, okay, let's uh, collect some data, let's make a hypothesis, let's apply some tests to see is this hypothesis valid or not. So kind of the basic scientific principle uh, was clear to me. Mm -hmm. But uh, you're working with a very different data set. You're working with something that is clean, it's collected, and uh, very limited in a sense. It's not growing every single day and so on. So I kind of had the starting point. Then uh, my first, very, very first job was actually as a market research field assistant. So I was the guy doing interviews, basically. The, the guys you, you meet in the airport and uh, <laughs> you say no to them most of the time. So that was me. I was very, very young. And I was just uh, asking questions that I was supposed to ask. And uh, during this exercise, I actually noticed that the, the answers are interesting. They are surprising. And uh, I had to do very basic summaries at the end of the day because there were no data processing tools. It was yeah. just basically people doing the counting of the paperwork and you know, uh, providing a summary at the end of the day to the supervisor who would compile into a bigger <laughs> report. So I was privy to some of the findings, you know, and I would say, oh, this is an interesting finding. And it kind of, uh, this, this was, I think, the, the seed. And then when, I, when I'm uh, looking at the logs, you know, yeah, this looks kind of similar in principle. And then, uh, yeah, the rest, the rest uh, kind of grew naturally from there. Okay. So, so your, your first uh, touch was like through product development, community mm -hmm. development in the very early stages. Then what, uh, how did your career uh, evolve further? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so once I touched that space, I was really hooked and I wanted mm -hmm. to do more and more digital products, bigger customer bases, bigger impact and so on. So I was on the path of becoming a proper customer value manager uh, addicted to providing results for the, for the company. And uh, I was fortunate to uh, find a job in a telecommunications company, which was among many, I mean, it could have been anywhere, but it happened to be telecommunications. And uh, it all, there was also a very fortunate uh, confluence of circumstances that this particular company applied a, what you could say, Procter & Gamble model of product ownership. So the product owner is, they say, the mini CEO. So mm -hmm. he's responsible for the PNL, for the pricing, for the marketing, for the production of it. Okay. As 
yeah, it's like huge responsibility, but the product may be very small in the telecom company, but still you have everything under your umbrella. So it's really working, like able to pull all the strings and uh, the products that we were introducing in telecommunications at the time, they are still fundamental today. Things like mobile broadband, yeah. things like internet of things and uh, so on and so forth. So really pretty fundamental products uh, were already way, way back in the day, 15 years ago, uh, were already being introduced, experimented with and managed and so on. So that was where, when I kind of came already formed into an industry that has a pretty big demand for this uh, competence. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, again, th these are kind of, uh, we are talking, I don't know, 17 maybe years ago, mm -hmm. uh, 18. Yeah. So at that point of time, uh, again, this uh, kind of, everything was new. So how, how did you deal with that no novelty? What was your inspiration there? Uh, what were kind of, I mean, what did you learn? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so like one of the first things that I asked, show me the logs. <laughs> and you know, okay. the answer came, which, how, well, we have many logs, which ones do you, do you need? Yeah. And I said like, well, all of them, you know, like the, 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 the rawest data of, that there is. And then I get like these binary CDRs that are impossible to interpret because there's ones and zeros straight from the network. So I, I understood, okay, well, the telecom data landscape is slightly more complicated, yeah. but it was already digital. So they are, of mm. course, uh, in pretty much the same position as a web server, you know? Yeah. Everything that goes through the network, they're registering as a log and then uh, it is available for legitimate purposes of the business. Customer revenue management, fraud management, billing, customer mm. service, and so on. It's widely used inside the, the company as a very fundamental source about how the company operates. And uh, at this point, I really understood that in a community environment like this web portal, you can actually look at the product. You can mm -hmm. try it out yourself. So pretty much it's very transparent. In the telecommunication space, it's not transparent at all. You don't see the product. Okay. It's like you can use it, but that's my specific experience. I'm making a call. And uh, if this call is happening, you know, in a bad coverage situation or if it's happening abroad, the experience might be completely different. So all of a sudden I'm exposed to this, okay, well, actually it's very diverse uh, ways of using this product. And when we started doing the analysis of the logs, at some point I was granted access after many <laughs> requests, denials and explanations and so on. Then we saw that, okay, actually these logs have really interesting information and we can begin using that. So this started my journey on uh, telecom customer value management. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, you know, going, like breaking <laughs> the ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, today we are talking like, okay, uh, kind of querying the terabytes of data. It's like, uh, I don't know, a piece Normal. of cake, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, at that point, you know, you get an Excel. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, or file, yeah. Or fi file, yeah. and it's like, uh, yeah. this is everything what you have. Yeah, absolutely. So what, uh, what learnings do, do you uh, bring from uh, this period of your mm -hmm. career like you? You were owning kind of products and uh, customer value management for those products yeah. uh, entirely on, on your own. Yeah. So what, what were your, let's say, biggest uh, lessons there? So I will uh, look at this from the customer value management angle and mm -hmm. data management angle. And I can say that pretty much we either did the analysis wrong and failed, mm -hmm. or we <laughs> did the analysis right and it was a breakthrough success. 
So always I was seeing this, okay, if we really do the analysis properly and make the right conclusions, we, it's, it's a no-brainer. Okay. It works. It's, it's a very, very uh, robust methodology. And you can keep on applying this again and again and again and again. And uh, so by, by now I'm like extremely <laughs> confident uh, in this uh, whole approach and the methodology. But there is this big disclaimer if you do the analysis right. And for many years I was uh, like I had basics of uh, analytics. And it took me a really long time to start a good, uh, to obtain a good intuitive uh, feel for the data. And I was always... Uh, asking the analyst to do the analysis and they're interpreting the data for me, I would not understand what they're saying to me. Like, okay. uh, it took me several years to understand that the average is a very bad uh, measurement. Mm -hmm. And I learned it the hard way in, in, in some specific cases where the average was extremely misleading. Mm -hmm. It was not intuitive, yeah. Can you give uh, any of uh, examples? So I think this is actually one of my biggest success stories in this from this time, uh, which I, I can share with you. And uh, we had a very uh, strange situation in the business. So uh, when you're trying to model revenue, and as a product owner, you are supposed to know how much money you're re uh, generating and how much you will generate in the future. So you're modeling the revenue. You basically need two, two variables. Average revenue per user and the number of users. And any changes that are happening over a month, the next month you're getting different average, different number of users, and you just build the budget like that. So this is where I learned the hard way that average is really a bad thing. So we always missed the budget by either plus 5% or minus 5%. And the, the average was fluctuating slightly like several okay. points something uh, after the, the, the whole number. But it was sufficiently large to cause big deviations and I was always in the hot seat uh, with the CFO asking, why are you missing the budget? Like, how hard can it be? You know, it's just <laughs> basics. And something was messing up the average in uh, my customer base and nobody could find it. So the, after like the last uh, meeting and he said, you know, solve it or, or, or it's done, you, you are out. I said, okay, well, now I really have to, you know, <laughs> get ready, dig into the data myself and try to find the answer because nobody can find the answer. And I asked for a complete dump of the customer base uh, with months as columns and the revenue, uh, the rows are the, the customers and then there is the revenue in every single column for every single customer, every single month going back two years. Okay. Imagine it's a pretty big Excel <laughs> and they took some weeks to prepare and then I'm getting this back, uh, maybe uh, several hundred thousand uh, customers in this. And I'm looking at this and how, how the hell do I now analyze this? Okay, well, I'm, I'm kind of stumped. Okay, you can try some basic pivot tables and so on, but you can't really do this. And uh, one person said, well, why don't you try something uh, like cohort analysis? And like, okay, what is cohort analysis? Mm -hmm. And then I read about it, I, under I understood, yes, okay, this is very clear. I applied the principle and pretty quickly I started seeing uh, specific groups of customers who are one month uh, generating a huge invoice and then the next month generating a huge minus invoice. And I'm talking plus 10,000 euros, dollars, minus 10,000 euros, dollars per single customer. Clearly not normal. 
So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is a mistake in the billing system. I went to the billing guys and said, no, this is normal. This guy went abroad, he was roaming, and he just ran a big uh, invoice. And then I'm like, oh my God, these guys are actually experiencing bill shock. Then they're calling the call center, the call center is apologizing and giving them minus 10,000 credit because they're saying like, I didn't do anything. I, I will not pay this amount. And like, okay, well, we found the problem. So we went, we fixed this, but uh, the overall uh, learning just really confirmed the whole uh, idea that you have to look at the data. The data has all the answers there. And this, this opened the eyes that, okay, well, at the lowest level, the answer is always there if you know uh, uh, how to approach it. So how, how did you fix it? We just uh, added a credit limit. <laughs> it didn't exist at the time, you know? So you just yeah. say, okay, if you overrun more than 200, we stop, or we send you a notification and ask you to call if you want to uh, uh, increase the limit. Very basic customer <laughs> value management things, you know? <laughs> uh, a, a super simple trick that uh, yeah. actually saved yeah. your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. saved everything, you know, <laughs> and the customers are happy. We're, we're not having administrative nightmare with this process and everything is just beautiful. So, so that's, that's yeah. kind of, I think I would say one of my proud moments, yeah. but yeah, I, I just, I, I, I chose this as the proudest moment for this uh, session. Yeah, yeah so sounds uh, really, uh, really, really super cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Maybe uh, kind of uh, um, uh, going uh, going back to, uh, uh, to there. Uh, kind of, uh, what books have you read at that point mm -hmm. of time? Uh, how did you actually evolve your learning? Because I, I assume it wasn't uh, kind of uh, that you invented everything. You know, it's no, no, no. Yeah. So, so actually, uh, at around this time, I'm now like a super keen reader of analytical books. So I'm, I'm searching for methodologies and so on. And there is a lot of good books about analytics, but not many of them illustrate uh, the application of analytics in business context mm. at the time. Now you can find uh, thousands of books like this. But at that point in time, for me, I, I found a book uh, called Scoring Points, mm. which was about how Tesco built their loyalty program in the UK using analytics as the main engine for, the, for everything, for, for recommending offers, uh, setting the prices, segmenting the customer base. Everything was data-driven rather than, let's say, intuitive or you know, based on the latest fashion last week. And this book really opened my eyes that to implement analytics in business, it's not a single person in a corner department of the department can do it. It's a company-wide transformation. It has to be led by the top management, by the CEOs and so on, if you want to achieve the full potential of this. If you, want, if you are okay with incremental small gains, yes, fine, you mm -hmm. can do some magic. But in Tesco's case, they were investing like millions. Everything was changing. The compensation system for the salespeople were changing. A loyalty card was introduced for the first time into the business. They were pioneers of loyalty cards. So I read this book and I thought, wow, well, this is how you do it. I want to do this too, you know? So that was uh, for me when I really understood that actually I want to do this, yeah. Okay, so what happened next? So yeah, I think, well, Exacaster is one of the outcomes. Uh, yeah, we, we, we started this uh, together with the Gideons, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, so 
now it's your turn. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> Why well, I'm here? Yeah. Uh, um, my is a, uh, also kind of pretty funny story. Uh, by design, I am kind of an analyst. I am super geek in data, numbers, etc. So I was actually studying statistics, uh, and statistics as a kind of uh, uh, statistics as a discipline, it's not very interesting. Uh, but I was that one out of thousand or so guys who were so lucky because I had a super, super professor mm -hmm. who was in his late, uh, like late 60s, etc. And he was all into the latest stuff, what is happening in AI and machine learning. And it was like, I don't know, 20 years ago. And at that point of time, uh, in uh, kind of faculty of mathematics, uh, neural networks and artificial intelligence were treated like a joke. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> they said it's like a, <laughs> the AI winter is, is still on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the AI winter is still on, and everybody's saying like, you know, AI is not mathematics. So what are you talking about? Yeah. So, uh, so this professor, uh, Pranas, he was uh, pretty lonely, you know, and he was reading latest uh, AI papers, etc. And I happened to be the guy who was interesting, <laughs> interested <Okay>. in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So he started actually feeding me with the latest what is happening in uh, machine learning, AI, and I was kind of slowly educating myself towards uh, this direction. At, and at the same time, I was a kind of a pretty energetic guy who wanted to do something. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, uh, let's run a business or something like that. I don't know. Sort uh, of the, a bit of an entrepreneurial vibe. Yeah, yeah. this was yeah. like, uh, I, I want to do something. And, that, uh, and at some point, uh, I remember it was like 19 years old, and one of the local telcos, they launched a, like a new product idea for telecoms uh, contest and the winner will get a lunch with CEO. So, and, I was, and I, I'm thinking like, I need to go there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I actually submitted the idea, which was like uh, uh, SMS uh, chat uh, for, uh, like, or SMS group, a uh, very similar thing that now we have like, uh, uh, messenger or WhatsApp, or WhatsApp etc., yeah. where yeah. you could actually send a single message and the, the, the whole group would get that. Still a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and I actually won the contest. I went to the CEO, uh, we had a nice lunch, and he said, uh, do you want to get an internship? And I was like, well, yeah, of course I want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and this is actually how I came into Sharuna's department. <laughs> yeah, so you are, now you end up in telecom. So what yeah. happens? Yeah. Uh, now I end, end up in telecom. And it's like, uh, uh, and at that point of time, I, I remember that this uh, telco company was actually, uh, it was, uh, again, 17 years ago or something like that. Mobile internet is just getting started. So uh, we are talking about like 2G technology uh, and moving towards 3G technology. Mobile penetration is very low. It is low because there are not a lot of uh, mobile products to browse, etc. So we uh, launched a first uh, kind of uh, startup ecosystem to, uh, to build new products in mobile industry. 
So I got this uh, challenge. I'm like 19 years old. We need to run a contest and build, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 new products. So I'm, let's do this. I'm kind of communicating with all, uh, uh, kind of uh, going to the universities, pitching, uh, gathering kind of uh, teams that would actually build the products. And uh, we launched uh, like 40 new products in four or five months. And I think that's still amazing by today's <laughs> standards if yeah. you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was like uh, to totally crazy. I couldn't believe that kind of uh, we could uh, achieve this type of success. And uh, kind of the project was treated as a pretty good in the company. And I got uh, kind of a permanent contract. <laughs> so now I'm kind of, uh, I'm studying statistics, uh, 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 getting my know-how in machine learning, AI, etc., And also managing mobile products uh, here. So it's like uh, mo mobile data products were, uh, were kind of one of my primary responsibilities there. So I worked with both prepaid and postpaid and kind of improving uh, the pen uh, penetration there, uh, generating revenue, et cetera. So this was kind of, this is how I en ended up in the uh, telco itself. And uh, there uh, I was super passion uh, passionate and fascinated about uh, the amount of, of data that we have there. <laughs> so uh, similar to your story, Shrunas, it's like uh, uh, in the beginning as a, a kind of product manager, I used to get the reports from data analysts. And at some time, uh, point of time, I, I started saying, guys, hey, don't prepare me presentations. Just give me the queries, you know. <laughs> give me the data. <laughs> yeah, give me the data. Yeah. I will, I will run the uh, analysis myself. So, and I started actually playing with the numbers, trying to understand uh, the customers uh, better, etc. And this, this, uh, this was super fascinating to me. Uh, but at the same point, uh, kind of, I was learning machine learning, mm -hmm. and the AI, and I, I got kind of. Uh, really uh, consumed by all the AI topics. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, it became even more fascinating for me uh, compared to the business part. And in the business, I, I couldn't actually, uh, well, or I didn't know how to apply all my knowledge mm -hmm. uh, to the max there. So I, start, uh, I started moving more towards AI topics, etc. And at some point of time, I uh, left the company yeah, I think it, it was, I don't know, after three or four years, something like that. Uh, but they still had my uh, professor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we were still studying uh, AI, we were building models, uh, uh, we were trying to, pre uh, we were actually predicting the markets, uh, perform or uh, kind of uh, stock markets, uh, stock markets yeah. et cetera. Uh, we had many uh, good things and bad things happening there, uh, but uh, after two years or so of trying to conquer the stock market, I understood that uh, maybe it's not so interesting, but at the same time I have the best algorithms in town. Uh, and I, I could implement like the algorithms that were just published in the scientific papers, like several uh, weeks, uh, let's say, news and then I called Shrunas and said, Shrunas, I have, uh, I remember you're a super energetic guy, you have many ideas. 
<laughs> I have a problem. I, I have many, many, many good algorithms. And, and you know what I said? I have many, many problems. <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah. let's kind of, let's do this together. Yeah, yeah let's yeah, do yeah. this together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we started from predicting churn yeah, uh, yeah. those 14 years ago. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So really, I mean, even to this day, uh, this is a topic that uh, comes back again and again yeah, and again. Yeah, exactly. But maybe we will touch on, uh, on that a bit later. But um, going uh, back to the uh, telecom uh, period, uh, what was your biggest uh, success there? What do you remember from that time? Um, I, I remember uh, kind of uh, that I was learning a lot, so I was super young there. Um, but uh, one par uh, part I remember really, really well. So uh, the mobile business was, act uh, kind of, uh, the data business was growing, it was super good, and we were kind of, uh, ahead of the competition because the team was big and we are actually pushing mobile data a lot. And then our competitors kind of started focusing on the mobile data as well. And they were uh, squeezing us a bit into the corner because we had kind of uh, uh, decent prices, uh, but the competition were kind of dropping the price significantly. Mm -hmm. And uh, we needed to figure out a solution how to continue to grow in this area without losing customers uh, and without losing our margins. And they had to find a way. And uh, at that point of time, our kind of pricing strategy was like uh, we had daily, weekly and monthly bundles. And daily bundles were like, I don't know, something like 40 megabytes per, per day or something like that. They were extremely small and extremely expensive. <laughs> so kind of uh, uh, if we would just reduce the price, uh, we would lose a lot of uh, Yeah, basically uh, the budget revenue. doesn't allow it. Yeah, the budget allow didn't allow it. us to, to, to act on this. So I had to be a bit more creative. So what I did, uh, I did exactly... Uh, 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 yeah, the same thing as you did. I took all the base. <laughs> I took all the statistics that I could get about the customers, like who, uh, so how many customers do we have? What are the sessions durations? How much data do they use, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So really like deep dive into uh, the data, try yeah. to understand how uh, they behave. I just yeah. try to understand what is happening and wh wh where are the ideas for me to kind of push this product f further. And I found some really super fascinating uh, things. I saw that a lot of people who are actually purchasing those daily packages, they were using the data kind of just uh, for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, etc. And at the same time, we were getting kind of uh, feedback from our customer base, from the service, that the entry fee for the daily packages were really big. So, uh, and, uh, so I started to, to wonder, okay, if, if, if some people actually purchase a big package, but use it for just a couple of minutes, because at that time we remember the phones were small, it was 2G, <laughs> uh, the internet was slow and you couldn't do a lot of stuff there. So I started wondering what are the other perspectives? Uh, for the pricing. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, kind of after analyzing the customer base, I identified a segment of customers who actually used the uh, product for a brief periods of time. And uh, I understood that, okay, maybe we have to uh, offer a different pricing strategy for those customers. 
and let's build a pricing strategy which could not be beaten by the competition. So then what we did, we actually kind of introduced a pricing uh, per minute and uh, we took the price like one cent per minute. You couldn't go cheaper than one <laughs> cent, you know? <laughs> and we actually launched the market. It became a huge hit uh, pretty fast. What, I left the what, company. What happened to the revenue, by the way? Uh, did it drop or did you grow the combined uh, overall? Uh, the combined uh, grew significantly and I, I have left the company, I know, several months after launch mm -hmm. when I met the, the people who continue to evolve this product. Uh, they were still saying that after a year, the revenue was still growing. It was like, yeah. okay, good job. There, there you go. So that, 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 that's your hit. Yeah. 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 So uh, that was my, my hit. And then and, uh, at that point, I really understood that you can do a lot of with the data insights. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, I don't know, it could be a bit too deep for, yeah. for this conversation, but you are an analyst by design, by yeah. profession. You are deep in this area. Describe your process for analyzing data. How do mm -hmm. you approach this? So you're staring at this Excel, uh, lots of columns, you have some vague uh, business problem. What's the next step that you do? Um, actually, I, I, uh, I, I always start from looking at the rawest possible data. Uh, mm -hmm. This is not intuitive because usually you start, as you said, from averages. Mm -hmm. But uh, the averages don't tell a lot mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, these are kind of just a sum of information. Uh, I really like just taking the, the raw columns and the raw records and just staring at them, scrolling, just figuring out what are the different uh, kind of uh, uh, behaviors mm -hmm. uh, for the customers. Because, you know, you, you, you may look at the... Uh, ARPU number, which is, I don't know, $20 or 20 euros. Uh, but when you actually stare at the real people, you will see there are some with zeros. And you see they use a lot of uh, data or make a lot of calls, but they are zeros. What does this mean? <laughs> They're getting something for free somehow. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so then I started yeah. understanding, okay, in my, in my customer base, there is some fraud. There are some test cards. Yes, <laughs> that right. that's another reason why there are <laughs> yeah. zeros. Yeah, there yeah. are some, I don't know, uh, kind of uh, employee cards, etc. Okay. So, so yeah. you start getting the ideas that, okay, maybe my data is, is not so clean or maybe my customers are really various. Mm -hmm. because, uh, and then when you scroll through and you, you find customers who spend 1,000 euros, you know, so they are doing something super, rich. Su super strange, yeah. you know. Yeah. Or, uh, or you see, okay, some customers somehow have managed to use 200 different devices per month or 300. How is this physically yeah, possible? How, how can you do this? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then when you kind of double check, it seems this is kind of a store where they actually fix devices and test them. Okay, that, that's <laughs> how you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't, if you don't uh, get into the details, you are not creative enough. With the mm -hmm. you, you cannot get creative with the data. Okay, so the first step in your method is yeah. basically go as deep as possible yeah. and form an intuition about how the real world uh, looks like. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay. 
and that's then, that's completely not intuitive. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then from there, I actually go and kind of uh, you know do the try to summarize the different groups that you have seen. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It gives me a perspective like oh, what numbers to eliminate, uh, etc., so that I would get a much better intuition. So yeah, mm -hmm. that that would be kind of my key process, which might be similar or different mm -hmm. from uh, mm -hmm. other people. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, so w when we think about uh, kind of uh, the successes, there is always some challenges or some failures. Yeah. Maybe something comes to mind. <laughs> I uh, didn't share my failure, yeah, yet, but so we, can, we can discuss this as well. Okay. Uh, uh, it, I would say uh, it, it was my failure and the team's failure mm -hmm. at the same time because we as a team were la launching a new product to the market. It had a super tight deadline because this product was linked with some governmental adjustments that you could not give uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, deliver papers in the paper form, but you had to sign it, it uh, with a signature, with an electronic signature. And the kind of the deadlines uh, uh, were in a way that uh, it, it were designed for failure because uh, the person who was actually leading the pro uh, the project, uh, 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 he was he he had planned a long vacation. I know many years before, everything was booked, etc. And he had to leave. I was in the same team helping to build this product, uh, so I had to take over uh, the launch of the product. Uh -huh. And the product was very very complex, you know, kind technically of complex. technically yeah. complex. And uh, the deadline was external. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I really remember the, the, this situation when I was kind of uh, hanging on the phone, uh, writing the email with one hand, and a person standing here shouting at me. It's like everybody are shouting, and we're like, oh my God, we're crashing and burning. <laughs> because nothing works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing works. You know, how, how can I uh, kind of get this product, etc. Yeah, so th that was kind of a really big challenge. I, uh, it, uh, it was one of the toughest periods in, in my career, I would say those several weeks. Uh, but I also learned a lot. I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't kind of uh, eliminate, this. eliminate oh. this from my experience. Mm -hmm. From there, I, I, now I have kind of, I am much better prepared for every other So situation. now you understand what, what a failed launch is. You, you yeah. know where not to go, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Kind of, you, you, uh, th this builds your character and experience. And, and what about you, Sharunas? What was your uh, kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah. So in customer value management, you can have situations like uh, what, what you described because the base is so big, right? Yeah. So it's hard to estimate the impact of what you're doing. Launching a product, everything crashes because of overload or not, not something not working. Really, really upsetting. In my case, it was more the classical uh, customer value management uh, uh, rite of passage. Mm -hmm. It is a bad campaign. <laughs> okay. And uh, you, when you launch a campaign and something is bad, wrong in it, you, you can't undo it normally because you just uh, send it to half a million customers or one million customers, it's done. Yeah. And you look like a fool to the entire country. It's, it's another very, very painful experience. And uh, you see this happening again and again as a new person comes into the role. He doesn't mm -hmm. understand the impact first. He doesn't do sufficient testing press. Yeah launch and then you're very, very sorry. So it happened to me, but in this case it was an email campaign. Okay. And uh, the main link was bad. 
Like, the, the, click to buy <laughs> is, is just doesn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, so like, what, what do you do? And uh, it was very fortunate that in my case, uh, we launched a huge campaign. Uh, the main link is very bad and I already can start feeling, you know, the, 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 the pressure and everything. Like, why, why did you do this? But uh, when I looked at the link, I saw that actually the beginning is correct and mm -hmm. just the ending is wrong. Okay. So then I very quickly went to the main developer that I had access to and said, can you please make sure, make the end of this link uh, lead to the correct landing page? And uh, that's how we fixed it. So oh. it was an almost, uh, <laughs> almost huge, huge problem. But uh, yeah, so I think uh, this is something that happens pretty much to every single person in customer value management area. Yeah, I think with every... Uh, Kind of, uh, we have seen this mistake uh, repeated. I don't know, hundreds of times. Yeah, really, yeah, uh, yeah. hundreds of times. Yeah. It's like uh, both customer value managers and and the teams. They they just need to experience this. Yeah, yeah. So about uh, books, uh, what book uh, would you recommend? What was your uh, inspiration in this area? Um, uh, uh, I have actually two recommendations. Mm -hmm. uh, so one will be uh, about. Uh, artificial intelligence and kind of uh, a broader perspective on how this actually impacts uh, us mm -hmm. uh, around. So um, I would really recommend Architects of Intelligence. So there are like, um, I know, 19 or 20 different industry uh, experts and their perspectives on how AI is shaping uh, everything. So this is like uh, a really interesting uh, read just mm -hmm. to give a broader perspective Very nice. uh, mm -hmm. on how this uh, uh, shapes. And the second one? And the second is like uh, uh, current, uh, like my favorite for the last one year uh, book, I would say The Gap and the Gain. Oh yeah, that's uh, a beautiful book, yeah. <laughs> uh, I continue it, recommending. It, it doesn't <laughs> apply only to analytics, it's a yes. general uh, yeah. life-changing uh, book. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Shrun, it's yours. Yeah, so I mentioned my first recommendation, uh, Tesco scoring points. Mm -hmm. And uh, the second recommendation is a very uh, academic uh, book. It's called uh, Pricing and Revenue Optimization by uh, Robert Phillips. Very old, published in 2005. Oh, wow. By Stanford University. But it gives you a comprehensive historical overview of... Uh, pricing uh, and revenue management and customer value management is kind of like the child of this uh, industry with a lot more personalization and so on. But still fundamentally, all of the techniques that we apply are described there, including how they emerged. So really good uh, if you're just starting out in the field to understand the variety of things that can be done. It's a very uh, difficult but strong read. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, so thank you for the conversation today. I, I hope uh, it was interesting. And uh, yeah, th uh, yeah, thank you, Shronas. Uh, and uh, we'll meet you guys uh, with other uh, interesting people uh, soon. soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to CVM Stories. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. You can also ask us a question about a particular customer value management challenge you have at work. We will happily ask our experts to tackle your challenge in a future episode. 